0: Well, we've got a lot of ground to cover this morning, so I'll be reading some of the references and giving others. But last week, we considered the unconditional aspect of the believer's sanctification. One of those big religious words that we need to know because it's more than just a word, it's a work that Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. Last week, we discovered the meaning of sanctification, which is simply A separation for a special use, for the purpose of being useful. That's all that big big word means. It's a separation, to be separated from that which is common, to be used for something special. Every believer is eternally sanctified, eternally separated for the glory of God. By the grace of God, simply by accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are sanctified, it is it takes place when we accept Jesus and it's once for all. We are eternally separated from the world that is lost in sin, that is under the condemnation of God, and we are set apart to be used to glorify the grace of God that saved us apart from our, our works. Our unconditional sanctification is not based on our moral purity, it has nothing to do with our moral purity. It has to do with the fact that we are washed from the, from the stain of the guilt of sin by the blood of Jesus Christ, by his sacrifice on the cross. Now, this morning, we want to look at the practical side of sanctification because there's an aspect of sanctification that is ongoing. The one that separates us unto God for his eternal glory, that's once for all. But we're going to see that that Scripture also points to an aspect of sanctification that continues on throughout our entire life. Let's turn to Hebrews 10 and verse 14, where we see both aspects of sanctification. We'll find out the more that you lay hold of the truth of our unconditional sanctification, that we are always different than the rest of the world the more you understand that, the more it will begin to impact your moral purity. It will begin to cause you to understand that there's a practical side of sanctification. And here we see both of them in Hebrews 10:14. For by one offering, he, Jesus, has perfected, past tense, forever those who are being sanctified. So perfected is past tense. But being is the gerund form of, of the verb that says there's something that's ongoing. So we've been perfected once for all. We, are, we lack nothing to be accepted in the presence of a holy God. When you accept Jesus Christ, we're perfect. Not in the sense that we are sinless, but in the sense that we lack nothing to be accepted in the presence of a holy God. But those that have been perfected are now being sanctified. That is, they're being separated further and further from the world and its ways and closer and closer to God. Now, we're already separated from the world, but daily we are to be drawn closer to the Lord by a life that is changed. So our separation will now begin to affect our moral purity and our daily conduct, how we live our life, how we think, what we say, because we are being sanctified. Last week, I gave the example of two sons that worked in their father's computer software business. One of those sons trained and studied to become a useful contributor to his father's business, but the other didn't. He was lazy. He was still different than all the other employees. He still benefited. There were still an inheritance that he had just being born into this family. But one son enjoyed more of the benefits on a daily basis because he dedicated himself, separated himself from those who didn't know the business, and he learned more and more of his father's business. As God's children, we need to be separated from the world in its ways in a practical way not just talk about it, it it's been interesting as I've been working and and speaking with several of the construction workers on site and there's a lot of different groups that, that come on site and it's it's interesting how some of them their perspective on God and on living and on life and there have been some that are saved and some that are interested and have listened to the presentation of the gospel as I gave it to them and then there are others that are just bizarre in the way that they think about life and about God and yesterday or two days ago I guess it was there was a fellow that that said nobody's perfect in this life nobody not even God and he says and then of course he's trying to prod me he says isn't that right I said well I think you got that one wrong and so we begin to have a little discussion that you know, planting the seed, but he, he's pretty well made up his mind at this point that he doesn't want anything with God. He's mentioned all the hypocrisy among Christians, and I, I don't deny that. I say, yeah, that, that's just not right. But that's all the more reason why we as God's children are to be an example of holiness why we are to daily be drawn further and further from the world so the world sees the difference. They need to be able to see that walking in the will of God, being drawn closer to Him, will bring all the things the world's looking for, joy, peace, happiness, wisdom, confidence, because we're separated, and that separation is now seen in how we talk, how we deal with things, how we deal with people. Let's go to 1 Peter 1. Here we have a very specific command. 1 Peter one thirteen to 16. Therefore, because you're saved, gird up your loins of your mind. Don't just say whatever pops into your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Think about the coming of the Lord and what he Christ died to give you eternal life. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. But think on that grace and let that grace change how you live as obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lusts as in your ignorance. Don't live like the rest of the world and like you did before you got saved. But as he who called you is holy, God is unique he is separate from everything else he's holy but as he who called you is holy you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written be holy for i am holy now that's quite a command and it's interesting because we've already been told that we are holy and now we're told to be holy so once again it's that it's that combination of our standing before God, which is for, e- for eternity, and our state, our standing is holy. We're saints. That was another question he had. Do you guys, well, actually, this was a different worker. He said, do you guys believe in saints and images? And I said, well, yes, we believe in saints, but we believe that everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ is a saint. We're set apart. And those that are holy now need to live Holy a separated life. And though now we're talking about our moral purity in connection with holiness, the primary thought is still separation. Our morality is different than the world's morality. We're set apart from them by the grace of God. And all of this is by the grace of God. And this is why it's it, it's frustrating when people accuse us. Well, you, you, you talk about works and obedience for Christians and... and We should talk more about grace. I am talking about grace. I can't live a holy life apart from God's grace. His favor that gives me, first of all, the revelation of what's right and wrong. That's by his grace. He didn't have to tell me anything. But he's revealed to me what his will is. That's by his grace. And then he gives me the ability to do the will of God. That's not my strength, not my intelligence. So, even this aspect of practical sanctification it 's still a work of his grace, but it 's a work that we have to yield to we have to desire Romans twelve one and two a familiar passage Romans twelve one and two I beseech you, I beg you, Paul says, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, yield your bodies a living sacrifice holy now again that 's a word that we don't like to talk about because when someone wants to insult you about your, your faith or your religion, what do they say? Oh, you think you're holier than us. <laughs> and they, of course, mean it as an insult. I want to be holy. Only God's grace can make me holy in a practical, daily aspect. But I want to be holy. I want to be closer to God and further from the, the blindness and the ignorance in which I once walked. Holy, acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. Jesus gave his all for you to give you eternal life. It's only reasonable that we give ourselves to him to bring him glory. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't keep getting closer to him. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word prove there, it means to experience, to prove by your experience, by your example, God's will It is. Everything I need. Our conduct is to be transformed from how we used to live and talk and act and think. Most of you are familiar that the the word being transformed there, it, it, it's where we get our word metamorphosis. It's a drastic change in nature. People should see that change in us. How we use these bodies. First Thessalonians 4, 1 through 7. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Finally, then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. So see, Paul saying we are to continue to grow more and more. You're separated already just by virtue of being saved. Now, more and more. Draw closer to the Lord. Let people see that metamorphosis, that that drastic change in your life. For you know what commandments we give you through the Lord Jesus. Are there commandments in this age of grace? Yep. Not the Ten Commandments, but the commandments of love, commandments of grace that are given to draw us closer to God. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. So clearly this is an ongoing work that you should abstain from sexual Immorality. So now we're talking about holiness now impacting your moral life, your moral condition. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, your body, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of or and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned you and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Sanctification. We are to possess these bodies in sanctification. So, saints, it does matter. Those who who say that the grace of God tells us and teaches us it doesn't matter how you live your life, they are blind to what the Bible teaches. We are to be changed. That separation that sanctification will begin to impact your morality we live in a world that is trying to force its way of thinking on us every day in every opportunity that they can give us they tell us that we are intolerant that we are bigots that we are a detriment to the progress of society because we believe what the bible says they tell us all those things, trying to force us to accept. And sadly, many Christians are accepting the world standard of right and wrong, the world standard of what is good morality and what's not. But our standard is the will of God, the Bible, what it says. And because I want to be closer to God, I'm going to separate myself from the way the world acts and thinks and conducts itself in every area of my life. Titus three 5, I'm just going to give you a few of these these verses here for time's sake but the reason that it's possible for us to be holy as God is holy why it's possible for us to live differently than the world is because we've been born again another doctrine regeneration in titus 3: 5 we read about the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit I've been born again Peter tells us in first Peter 1 22 and 23 if I want to jot these down as I mentioned them. First Peter 1, to 23. Peter says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides in us. When you accept Jesus as your savior, there's a seed that's planted in you that can only do the will of God. That power, that ability is in every Christian. And so the excuses we make for ourselves and for our friends and for our family, well, they couldn't help it. If you've been born again, you can't help it. Stop making excuses. But you have to learn to yield to that. And it's a process. That's why Paul says, more and more, little by little, let's keep going in the direction toward God and away from the world. 2 Peter 1.4, we're told that we actually are partakers of the divine nature. We receive the very nature of God, which is holy, which is love compassion, wisdom. So we have the resources. The question is, are we going to be like that son in the example that I want to learn more about my father's business. I want to be a useful part. I want to be useful to him in a very practical way. I'm his son. I'm useful to him in the fact that I'm his family. But I want to be useful to him in in real practical ways. Dedicate yourself to the things of the Lord. This is why Paul wrote to Corinthians in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new cre- creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You have what it takes to be holy. Do you want to be? Are you going to be like the lazy son? How much did you love your father? How much did you love Jesus Christ? That's what it really boils down to. Many talk about, oh, I love Jesus. I love this grace that saves me eternally. I love it. I love it. I love it show me your love. Jesus says, if you love me, what are you going to do? You're going to keep my commandments. You're going to keep those commandments of grace, those instructions in righteousness. The believer has two natures, the old one that we're born with and the new one we receive when we are born again. It's a process to learn. Dedicate yourself to education, spiritual education. It's more than just memorizing scripture it's hiding that word in your heart and letting it dictate your actions your reactions your words your thoughts and don't don't be surprised when the old ways pop up and the old way of thinking and and the that natural reaction to do things the way you used to do contrary to the will of God don't be surprised when that pops in your head but at that moment you have the opportunity the right and the power to say, wait a minute, that's not of God. That draws me closer to the world in its ways. I don't want to be like that. I have the ability, the ability to choose the will of God. Choose it. Do it. This is why being a Christian that is pleasing to the Father, it's not just walking through life and whatever happens. We are a people of purpose. We live with a purpose. We are a people of principles. We don't just do what we feel. At least we're not supposed to. We are to be a people of principle. I do what I do. I say what I say because I know this is what God instructs me to do in his word. No other reason. It's not to please my parents. It's not to please the pastor. It's because this is the will of God. And I love him who first loved me. In Second Timothy two twenty to 22, Paul gives some illustrations of vessels in the natural and especially in that time those they used vessels of clay and they had vessels of gold and silver as well and some vessels are used for dirty jobs some vessels are used to do things that are more honorable and in verse 21 Paul says there, therefore second timothy 2 we'll jump down to verse 21 therefore if anyone cleanses himself now remember we're already cleansed from the guilt of sin but now we're talking about the the dominance of sin in your life. For if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, that is the list of sins, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master. God can use those that are willing to surrender their will to his will. Do you want to bring glory to God? Do you want to be used? You don't have to be a preacher or a missionary to be used of God. That's one way. If he calls you, you better obey. But every child of God is to be useful to him. That when others look at you and your life and how you conduct yourself, they see what faith in Jesus can do, a change. Our testimony matters. It's of utmost importance. You should treat your testimony with as much care as some people treat their car. I've known people that love their car and they'll park a mile away in a parking lot so nobody scratches it and they'll they'll make the extra effort to walk all that way they will wax it, and if they get a little bug on it, they they got to get it off there immediately, and man, they, they take care of that car because it's valuable. It has its place. I'm not saying that in and of itself is wrong, but how much more should we care for our own testimony, that when there, there is a smudge on our walk, do we care about it? Do we make haste to deal with it? May the Lord help us to understand how valuable, how important our testimony is that we live a holy life. True holiness is not what you wear or what you eat. Jesus made that clear, I'll give you a couple of passages here in Matthew 15, beginning at verse 11, read through verse 20 when you have opportunity. It's not a matter what you eat or what you wear that makes you holy, but it's what's in the heart. It's whether you believe God or not, whether you believe his will and his instructions are right, whether you believe his standard is right. And so when your heart is right, then it will begin to impact what you wear, who you associate with, in order that those things reflect your desire to do the will of God. So yeah, it begins to impact every area of your life. John 17. Let's do read this together. John 17 verses 16 to 19, because we need to understand what is an important element of this work of practical sanctification. If I'm going to be transformed from the world and into the image of Jesus Christ what is it that i need just like that faithful son that went to college and studied and got a degree in computer software science computer engineering he needed that education how can we know how to be transformed jesus tells us in john 17:16 they are not of the world just as i am not of the world sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That's pretty clear, isn't it? The Bible is what will set us apart from everyone else when we read it, when we know it, when we believe it, when we let it dictate our every action and thought. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world to be useful. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, Jesus said, he set himself apart to do the will of God and to die on the cross. He was unlike any other man that walked this earth. He was, he sanctified himself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Jump over to Acts 20 and verse 32. Acts twenty thirty-two. the apostle Paul did the same thing. This is why it's so important for us to know the Bible. This is why we give the word the prominent place in our services singing, testimony, praying, all of those things are, are the will of God when we assemble ourselves together. But the most valuable thing that we can do when we get together is to read and to study the Bible, because that's what's going to sanctify you, not all the other things that we could do and that we do do. Paul says, so now, brethren, Acts 20, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all of those who are sanctified. The word of God can do that. An added inheritance. Everyone who's sanctified has an inheritance. Every child of God is an heir of God. But if we will separate ourselves unto God in every area of our life, there is reward for that. It's able to change us. I want to jot down 1 Thessalonians five fifteen to 24. The God of peace himself is able to sanctify us completely. Our whole spirit, soul, and body preserved blameless. So he's able to make us everything we need to be. The question really comes down to it's not if you can. It's not if God can do this work in you. It's do you want that work to be done, that work of ongoing practical sanctification, Philippians two. Let's read this just so we know that that I'm not giving you my opinion here, but I'm proclaiming what God reveals to be true about you, about me, about everyone who's been born again. Philippians two, twelve to thirteen. The sooner we stop making excuses for our carnality, the sooner we'll begin to be transformed. Believe what Paul writes to the Philippians in Philippians two, twelve and thirteen. Therefore, my beloved, As you have always obeyed. Oh, there's that ugly word again. The apostle of the grace age. Why would he use words like that? As you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Doesn't mean save yourself. It means let that work of salvation that was accomplished by the grace of God. Let it now be seen outwardly in your conduct. Can I really live that kind of life? Can I really be that kind of Christian? For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Saints, I'll tell you right now, I can't be the Christian I need to be apart from God's work of grace. And you can't either. And the sooner you realize that, the better. But that's not an excuse to give in to temptation and sin and lust because God's the one who'll do this work. And he does all things well. You'll be surprised. Others will be surprised what God can do in you and through you. Do you want that work to be done? You have to yield to it. You have to want it. And you have to yield to it. Our part is to to desire to be holy. And he'll do the rest. By his word. By the presence of the Holy Spirit. By the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Let's close with Revelation 4. Revelation chapter 4 verses 6 to 8. Here John is given a glimpse of those Christians that will occupy the closest place to Jesus in eternity. And so now we begin to see how this work of sanctification, beginning with unconditional sanctification, which is once for all and eternal, but then that revelation leads you to the practical work of sanctification that changes how you live. And now we see how this work of sanctification This separating further and further from the world and closer and closer to God, now we see how this connects to the doctrine of the bride of Christ. Because those that have learned to live holy lives in this life, who've yielded to the work of grace that teaches us to deny ungodliness, they will occupy the closest place to Jesus in eternity. Separation. And that separation even is begin, begins to be seen in eternity, even among Christians. Because there are some that will enjoy the pleasures of heaven and eternal life. They're, just going, they're going to be there, and, and they will enjoy it because of the grace of God. They didn't deserve it. Nobody does. But the grace of God, and he'll point to them and say, that's what my grace did. But among that group of saved individuals... There are those that have separated themselves, allowed the work of sanctification to transform them to the point that they even begin to look like Jesus. And they are the closest to Jesus in eternity. Revelation 4, 6 to 8. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. Eyes speak of wisdom, understanding. They in front and in back, they know, they understand history, they understand the future because they've been given eyes of wisdom. The first living creature was like a lion, that is, bold and courageous. That's the kind of Christian that they were. The second living creature, like a calf, speaks of service, humility, meekness. The third living creature had a face like a man. They're men. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle, able to see from a perspective, from the heavenly perspective, see things as God sees. The four living creatures, each having six wings, means they were quick to do the will of God. They flew to do the will of God. They were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying what? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, those that will occupy that closest place to Jesus in eternity will be those that have had a revelation of the holiness of God. He's holy. He's unique. And then they've had a revelation of be holy as he is holy. May the Lord help us to yield to the work of sanctification.